Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Time. There's nothing more valuable. It's what drives everyone to make the most of every moment. We celebrate living large in the now. In a city where time disappears, we create experiences that electrify the soul and memories that will last forever. We go big, we go all night, and here, everyone is invited. So get loose and get loud. This is Circa. You'll have the time of your life. This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Hello and welcome to the Arash Markazi Show presented by the Sporting Tribune on the Mightier 1090 in Southern California, the Bet in Las Vegas and the Hawaii Sports Radio Network. I am joined by Armani Bucket, Shihei Wiley, Brandon Deutsch, full crew today. As well, it should be. It's a Monday. We have plenty to talk about. Armani Buckets, I'll let you go first just because you're wearing your Chicago Bulls jersey. And uh, <laughs> you're you're very proud of yourself this today. Pure jubilation. I can't <laughs> even explain to you what that win felt like yesterday because the Chicago Bulls have been an utter disappointment since Rajon Rondo broke his thumb against the Celtics in 2017. For the first time in five years, by the way, the Bulls just beat Denver on the road. They beat Philly on the road. And then they beat the absolute living you-know-what wow. out of the Lakers yesterday. <laughs> and don't, uh, Arash, we can't poo-poo that. That was an absolute humiliation oh, from God. start to finish. They dominated that game. Yeah. And, and Brandon saying 10-point loss, but the optics of the loss. Oh, my <laughs> goodness. This team, the whole team, it wasn't just Pat Bev. The whole team, including the bench, was doing the you're too little to LeBron with a minute left. I mean, I, I'm i speechless, man. That was beautiful. And we get to see it again on Wednesday. Uh, look, yes, that was a great win for the Bulls. They've been playing good basketball. They've won five out of their last six games. In fact, if they play like this, they'll probably make it out of the play-in. They're playing better basketball than the Hawks. So the Raptors are playing very good right now. I'll, look, there's a couple. Look, there's no way around it. That was a choke job by the Lakers. But do you expect anything less from this team? From what we've seen this year, what they do is they win two impressive games, which they did against the Suns and Thunder. Then they choke a game they should win against the Bulls, and you'll see it again Please. next week. Wait, wait, that's what we've seen all year. They're gonna beat the, the Bulls, Bulls are on better Wednesday. than those teams. Hold on, but they're going to beat the Bulls Wednesday, and then they're going to beat the Timberwolves Friday, and we'll call the Lakers again title contenders, and then they'll lose on Sunday to somebody they shouldn't lose to. This is what they do every single time. But the fact of the matter is, Armand, you're right. They didn't show up to play. The optics do look bad. <laughs> LeBron, is, is he needs the ball in his hands. Team, The team was so used to playing without him that when he came back, they're like, okay, what do we do? I mean, Austin Reeves wasn't getting shots up. Davis wasn't getting shots up. And all of a sudden, it relied on Malik Beasley and Troy Brown to win the game. You're not going to be winning any basketball games if those are the guys taking shots, right? So a lot of that's on Darvin Ham and getting Anthony Davis established early, coming off of a 37-point game. Either way, there's no way around it, Armand. You're right. Bulls are playing great basketball. Lakers got demolished. But I expected them to go 1-1 one one in this 
in this split anyway, so I hope they win on Wednesday because if they don't, they're in, they're in some trouble. So the big story before the game, and again, it, it went from 0 to 100 real quick. LeBron James goes from not being available. He was out for a while. Uh, there was some uh, reports that he could come back next month, maybe targeting the uh, April 5th game against the Clippers. LeBron poo-pooed that, said that that's not true. Well, it's not true because he came back yesterday. He came back on Sunday against the Chicago Bulls. Again, in the report, went from not playing again. He had been totally out to doubtful, to probable, to a game-time decision, to c- coming off the bench for the first time since 2007. I thought that, that was interesting. Um, listen, I think if the Lakers are going to be actual championship contenders, and I don't know if that's going to be the case, but if they're going to do anything... That includes LeBron James. It was very significant that LeBron James came back. I'm not going to kind of try to put this on LeBron because, Brandon, you're 100% right. They've done this all year with LeBron, without LeBron, where they've won two games. They got me pumped up. I usually get very excited when they win those two games in a row. I, I hop on Twitter and I say, oh, my God, we're only two games out of the four seed or only you know one game out of the six seed. And lo- look at where the Lakers are. And then they have a game like they did against Chicago. So let's start with LeBron James coming back. I think big picture, obviously, very significant. It's no longer, you know, can he come back before the end of the season? He did come back. That being said, he came back and they got blown out by Chicago. Braden, start with you. Uh, The significance of LeBron back with the team. I mean, I think it's obviously huge. I mean, it makes them... If you want to say it, if they can win a couple of games, if they somehow get into the playoffs, it makes them contenders. It simply does because they've been playing good defense since the break. I know the Bulls stomped them and we look, yeah, okay, if you can't beat the Bulls, you're not going to beat the Nuggets, Kings, Grizzlies in a playoff series. I get it. But again, if you just get into the playoffs, not just the play-in because LeBron has said, look, I don't want to be in the play-in. He said it yesterday. We're working on that six-seat or higher. We don't want to be in the play-in. Well, then they have to act like it. They have to start playing like it's playoff basketball now. And I think we'll see more urgency with the Lakers on Wednesday once they get a couple days of practicing LeBron full strength. So I think we're going to see a different Lakers team. Whether or not that translates to a W remains to be seen, but I think it's going to be a much closer game from start to finish on Wednesday in Chicago. I thought the most interesting quote was the quote after the game by Troy Brown Jr. Troy was asked about the offensive rhythm with LeBron back, and he said, and I quote, I mean, there's some good to it and some bad to it, honestly. You kind of got to get used to it because he plays a certain way. And we know that coming in. That's not to say that what Brandon, what you just said is absolutely true. LeBron raises the ceiling of this team, but I have not seen Laker fans so divided on the LeBron James era since yesterday. Laker fans were up in arms about how, oh my goodness, what's going on? And not the whole fan base, but a large contingent of the fan base was basically yelling at LeBron. And then LeBron makes it even worse post-game by contradicting himself, saying that, oh my goodness, two doctors said, you know, I could have had surgery on this. But I opted, I went to the LeBron James of feet, and he said that I don't need surgery. And then a reporter asks him, well, will you get surgery in the offseason? And he says, 
if I did, I wouldn't tell you. But he just told us <laughs> that, <laughs> that he opted not to get surgery. So it just, it makes no sense to me. And honestly, okay, fine. It's his first game back. But his impact on that game, I don't care what the numbers say. His imprint on that game was not really felt. And then defensively, I mean, we know what happens sometimes when LeBron gets lackadaisical. It becomes, you know, a snowball effect. But we'll see, I guess. Wednesday is going to be a telltale sign. And just adding to that really quickly, um, Armand, you bring up a great point because I don't think anybody who watched that game thought LeBron had a positive impact on that game. In fact, LeBron plays a specific way. He hasn't had his jumper fall in all year. He's going to have to get to the rim uh, with ease and dish out to shooters if they want to have an impact. Again, it's screwed with Austin Reeves' rhythm, right? Because he was the guy who was going to pick and roll with Davis. Get, I think if D'Angelo played that game, you might have saw a little bit different because an extra shooter on the court. I know D'Angelo is inconsistent, but that would have raised the ceiling for this team yesterday. I'm not saying that's an excuse by any means. They should have won that game regardless. But you are correct. LeBron, the step away shot. Like, what are you doing, bro? Waste of a possession. Like, so many times I'm seeing LeBron shoot a three or a hold the ball for seven seconds and then do that, like, pump fake and shot. I'm like, bro, you're screwing with the rhythm of this team. The Lakers were actually playing some beautiful basketball without him. Moving the ball, um, getting shooters open. Reeves was drawing fouls. Davis was more assertive in a lot of those games. I mean, for Davis to only shoot eight times, that's not just on Darvin Ham. I know I said it was on Darvin. That's on LeBron. Why wasn't Davis getting LeBron getting the ball every possession? You know what I'm saying? Like after what he's yeah. been doing. Yeah. So I mean, so Wednesday. Hey, listen, all these games are significant when you're only talking about seven, six games left of the season. By the way, I'm in my house. They're doing construction to it. So if you hear some noise. That's why. Um, listen, this is it. All comes down to Wednesday. It all comes down to these last, you know, seven, six games of the season. If they want to not be in the play-in tournament, they have to win out. I'm sorry, just because it's too bunched up. Um, at this point, listen, I'm happy if they're in the play-in tournament. I win my bet with our money buckets, um, but. I- I really do believe, and again, this is me, glasses half full, Jihei knows this, I've been uh, talking about this for years, if, if they can just get into the play-in tournament, I like their chances if they're healthy. Now, usually a massive if, right? But for right now, as we sit here today on a Monday, they're pretty much healthy. I mean, D'Angelo should come back by Wednesday, right? Have you got an update on him? I mean, he should be back by Wednesday. He'll play. He'll play. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think he could have He could have played yesterday and, fr- and Friday, probably. Yeah. I think it was more on the side of caution. Um, but remember, Arash, big. although the Bulls game, you're right, huge game, Friday's really the game that's a, that's a do-or-die game. You need to win that game in Minnesota, and that's going to be tough the way Carl Anthony Towns has been playing, and Anthony Edwards is back now. So we got the game tonight. It's Chicago Bulls uh, against the Clippers. There are Obviously, the Bulls are in town for a, a few days here. The Clippers are favored by four and a half at Circus Sports. I mean, here's the problem with the Clippers. You you look at that Pelicans game, it was like a team that didn't want to be there. It was like a team that had already you know secured a top-four seed. Now they are not a top-four seed. They moved down to uh, five, they're in a precarious position as well. Armani Buckets, you talked about it. Chicago's playing well. I'm kind of amazed. Perhaps they know something that I don't, that the Clippers are favored by, uh, you know, not just a point or two. They are favored by 4.5 tonight. I think the Clippers are in a tough spot right here. I mean, like, if they lose tonight and they continue this bad stretch, 
The Clippers are in a position where they may have to go through the play-in tournament just to get to the postseason. A couple of things. Going back to that Pelicans game, a lot of the narrative has been that the Clippers didn't show up. And I'm not saying that they did show up, but that's the type of sense of urgency that we're talking about from the Pelicans standpoint yeah. that the Lakers have lacked in, in this Bulls game. The Pelicans came out 8 nothing in like the first minute. Brandon Ingram was shooting every single time he touched the basketball. Trey Murphy looked like Clay Thompson. It's hard to beat teams when they're that engaged. The Pelicans treated that like Game 7 of the finals. The reason why I think the Clippers are favored by 4.5 tonight, DeMar DeRozan didn't play on Friday. He played on Sunday. This is the second night of a back-to-back. I don't know if DeRozan's going to play because we all know that they're going to save themselves for that Laker game on Wednesday. With that being said, if DeRozan doesn't play and the Clippers still lose to the Bulls, that is a bad look, man. It's not a good look, especially when the Bulls are basically Zach Levine on offense and a little bit of Vucevic, and that's it. So that's why I assume it's four and a half. Yeah, and and why tell me this, Armand, because you watch more Bulls Bulls games than me. How many times have Patrick Williams and Kobe White looked like the second coming of Michael Jordan? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I mean, what was the Bulls issue most of the year? Depth, right? And these guys are actually playing basketball. They showed up against the Lakers. How many times is that going to happen? Right? Well, let me stand up real quick so you guys can see. This is actually a Kobe White jersey. Um, I'm a believer in both of those kids, and I think that they're both very good. And actually, it goes to a a larger point in the offseason. If a team wants to spend money on a restricted guard free agent, the market is going to be between Kobe White and Austin Reeves, which will be interesting going looking into the future. And I think Kobe's actually going to take a lot of Austin's money. So we'll see what happens there. But no, they're they're really good players. They just the the veterans on the Bulls are kind of self-centered in the way that they hog the ball from them. <laughs> uh, we do also have to get into, you know, the top story in San Diego, the top story, really, if you're really talking about what's happening in basketball in Southern California, San Diego State going to their first ever Final Four. By the way, that's the side of the bracket is absolutely amazing. Florida Atlantic. Again, San Diego State, the winner going on to the championship game on Monday. But before then, obviously, on Saturday, the Final Four, first time ever for those two schools. Uh, big moment for San Diego State. I, I, I don't think I'm going out, but on a limb by saying top four sports moment in San Diego sports history. We're right up there with the Chargers going to the Super Bowl. The Padres went to two World Series. Uh, and then the other side of the bracket, we have Texas. No, sorry, Miami. Miami versus UConn. Now, so I was in Vegas for the Sweet 16 and the Elite Eight. UConn is the best team in the country right now. It's not really close. It was uh, They have not played a close game this entire postseason. They blow out Gonzaga by 28. They uh, blow out uh, Arkansas by 23. Um, again, the, 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 the four wins that they've had have been absolute blowouts. They have not been close. We'll see if that continues. But for the first time ever, we have three first-time Final Four teams. Uh, again, Florida Florida um, Atlantic, San Diego State, and... Miami guys, your thoughts. Uh, I, I, I don't think either of us, or I don't, um, I, I don't, I don't think I'm going on a limb by saying none of us pick these four teams. Yeah, you know, I actually um, have to give props to my boyfriend because he picked UConn to win. The ah, well, there you thing. go. 
Okay. So, um, yeah, I mean, he has a little bit of a bias, though. He went to UConn, so... They look that. good. They look good. They look great. They look yeah. great. Um, you know, Hurley is finally... Um, Danny Hurley is finally good in yeah. his rotations. He's finally putting in the right guys at the right time. Um, you're, you're not wrong, Arash. They are the best team in the country at this current moment in time, and I never thought that that would actually happen, only because if you watch these guys in the beginning of the year, it, it, the rotations were terrible. You know, um, Gee, hey, what was fun- the odds for UConn? But by the way, um, pre 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 tournament, obviously, what? what oh were my the god, odds? it was like five hundred to one or something like that. It was something ridiculous. Well, not five hundred to one. I mean, like, no, so, like it, no. But I'm just saying, it was. It wasn't. It, they weren't the favorite. No, no, no. But yeah, but so they were a four seed. But I think they lost in either the first or second round of the Big East tournament. So I, I really don't think anyone had them. You know, they no. were obviously what, not what a favor, but listen, I mean, I don't know what uh, what Clark put on it, but uh, yeah, he's he's in line to have a nice little payday if everything happens his way. Yeah, let's let's all hope. Let's all hope. <laughs> yeah, sure. right. money. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, you know, they have a stud. This kid's going to be a pro. There's no question about it in Klingham. Um, he is ridiculous and he's only a freshman. He's still a kid. So I, I'm looking forward to seeing what he does and how Bobby Hurley puts him in and out. I would love for them, to, Sudoku and Klingham to start, but, you know, it is what it is. I'm not the coach. It's, not, it's you know, <laughs> that's not, that's my request. You know, Mr. Hurley, if you're listening, uh, please start both of those guys. But, um, yeah, they have, they have, they are so blessed. They, everybody needs to thank the transfer portal. All four of these teams need to thank the transfer portal because I believe San Diego State has a ton of transfers as well. Um, at, Florida Atlantic, I, I still, my mind is still blown that they're in there. Um, the U, by the way, though, Miami, I'm not shocked that they're in there. Um, great coaching, great, um, great hustle, a little bit of luck in the end as well. Uh, a few calls went their way, but at the end of the day, they have this kid Wong that is a stud and I knew, and he's the reason why Duke lost. They were 0-2 against Miami in ACC play. So like I, but Wong is is the truth. He's he's going to be a great pro. Um, I'm still going with UConn though to win the whole entire thing. There's always a few players that stock for the NBA rise a lot during the tournament, and for UConn, my goodness, this kid Jordan Hawkins. If you type his yeah. name in on Twitter. The first thing that comes up is Jordan Hawkins, Ray Allen. And honestly, the way that the, his release is so lightning fast, I see why they say that, although it is kind of hyperbole to compare anybody to Ray Allen in terms of shooting. But man, he has been really impressive. And shout out to San Diego State and to Florida Atlantic and Miami, obviously, because, wow, Florida Atlantic and San Diego State, unbelievable runs they've had. Yeah. Um, shout out to everyone. I know we don't have much time here, but San Diego State, a team that continuously was losing in the first round of the NCAA tournament, um, finally getting over that hump, getting all the way to the final four. Very, very happy for them. That's a team that prides themselves on, on defense. Uh, and I think I, it wouldn't be a, a shock to me if they faced UConn in the final. So I, and again, UConn, what can you say? I mean, GA can attest to this. I didn't want the ESPN bias to be right, but they were all picking UConn. I wanted them to lose so bad, and it just didn't happen. Mm-hmm. You know what? I'm just going to say this. Karma, 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 Alabama. That's all I'm going to say. And I'm just so mm-hmm. grateful that they <laughs> sound so mean, but 
it is what it is. I'm just, I'm so grateful that they lost. Also, be on the defensive for um, the U. They, their coach is awesome. I mean, I don't know if you guys heard the analogy that he that he did when it comes to defense. He said um, the, these kids basically got stuck in an elevator, like twelve of them got stuck in an elevator for half an hour. And he said, you know what? This is how you have to play D. Imagine you guys still stuck in this elevator and you have to be on top of your opponent the whole entire time. And that is how they won um, initially in the Sweet 16. And that's how they're going to win the, the tournament if they stand a chance at winning the tournament. So you're right, though. Defense is going to be a huge defining factor. But it really does help when you have some trees down there in the, uh, in the post. You have a guy that's 6'9". For UConn and Sudoku, you have you have a pure seven footer that can do everything in Klingham. Like it's just it's such it's an overwhelming rich, richness like that they have. They're like they're so insanely basketball wealthy right now. Um, and go the Miami are killing it. <laughs> the guards are killing All it. All I gotta say, um, go Miami. America <laughs> wins when UConn loses. So, no, <laughs> that is such a falsity. They were the one number. They were number step. They're the only uh, one. ESPN the tries to pull this every year. Like UConn's going to go on a run and they're finally right. And half of their analysts don't know half of what they're doing. They just post oh, it based false. on bias. False, false on this. First of all, they're in Connecticut. So that totally makes sense. Why wouldn't they root for Connecticut? Um, second, second of all, this team is, you have to admit this team is playing out of their mind. Yeah, but how could you have predicted it? They lost in the Big East tournament, didn't they? No, to- totally. I mean, first of all, nobody could predict anything in this whole entire tournament. Yeah. Florida? Uh, that's true. No, it's, by the way, this yeah. has been fantastic, but to, to Jihei's point, the only consistent thing has been UConn. They've been dominant this entire tournament. All right, let's leave it there for now. When we come back, we'll talk more about the Lakers and the Clippers and where both of these teams stand. Heading into the playoff push when we come back on the Mightier 1090s from the California, the Beth in Las Vegas, and the Hawaii Sports Radio Network. We'll be right back with the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Time. There's nothing more valuable. It's what drives everyone to make the most of every moment. We celebrate living large in the now, in a city where time disappears. We create experiences that electrify the soul and memories that will last forever. We go big. We go all night. And here, everyone is invited to get loose and get loud. This is Circa. You'll have the time of your life. This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Welcome back to the Arash Markazi Show presented by the Sporting Tribune on the Mightier 1090 in Southern California, the Bet in Las Vegas, and the Hawaii Sports Radio Network. Just as a reminder, if you have a question or comment or just want to win tickets to an upcoming game, in Southern California, Las Vegas, or Hawaii, call our hotline 310-400-0340. We would normally go out to the Circa Sports Guest Hotline, but I was at Circa um, this past week for the Sweet 16 Elite Eight. Again, fantastic matchup here in the Final Four. Florida Atlantic, San Diego State. Again, so cool that one of those teams is going to be playing in the championship game. And then in the other side of the bracket, we have UConn the best team in the country right now, playing Miami. Again, Miami, a football school, uh, having two consecutive really good runs here in the uh, tournament. 
Um, all right, guys, let's let's get back to what we were talking about before with the Lakers and the Clippers. At what point uh, do you have to worry about the Clippers again when when, when Paul George goes down and it looks like he's going to be out for the rest of the regular season? Hopefully he'll be back in the playoffs. Are the Clippers in a position where they could potentially not just be in the play in tournament, which looks likely, but miss out on the entire playoffs? Uh, can I start here only because I, I know Armand has some thoughts here, but I, I just wanted to say I'm going to stand by it. I do not think that they missed that they are even in the plan. And I don't think that they missed the plan or playoffs because there's two things here. The Paul George injury allowed certain things to happen. And I'm not saying it was good for the Clippers because obviously their ceiling is raised when Paul George was playing good to great defender uh, provides offense when Kawhi isn't hitting shots. At the same time, Ty Lue is incapable of sitting Marcus Morris. So now you now he's forced to play Bones Highland, who I said at the deadline was a great addition. This is a guy who can score at will. He can pass at a high level, and he could be a great role player backup uh, point guard for the Clippers. All of a sudden, he starts playing more minutes, and look what happens. He balled out uh, in both games. By the way, the Pelicans game, part of the reason why they lost, they wouldn't play Bones Highland. And then at the end of the game, he scores like 12 straight points or something like that. That's another thing. Robert Covington's been playing well. He's hitting 50% of his threes over his past 10 games when he actually gets playing time. Yet Morris, two points last game. I don't know why he played. I mean, 22 minutes, he had two points, one assist, and two rebounds. I've never seen anything like it. And I think what we're going to see is, despite the Clippers being able to have enough talent to make the playoffs, not just the play-in, I think Lawrence Frank and – I'm not going to speak for Lawrence Frank and Jerry West – I think they're moving a different direction this summer. I don't think they're on the same page with Tyrone Liu. Uh, he keeps playing Marcus Morris. I don't know what for what reason. I mean, the guy doesn't provide certainly any value on the basketball court. Maybe he's a good team guy, and that's why he's keeping him in. I don't know. But they'd have 42 wins if they just did not play Marcus Morris right now. They would have 42 wins. I mean, that he's that bad. I hate to say it. Um, Rocco's been playing great. I want to see if somehow something clicks, and Lawrence Frank is like, dude, you're not showing up tomorrow, Ty Lue, if you start Morris again. Like, start Rocco. Like, something needs to happen. And then we're going to see the Clippers start winning. But again, Armand said it in the first segment. How Trey Murphy's not going to hit 10 threes every game, as good as he is, right? Like, Brandon Ingram, 32-10-10 again. Like, that's not happening every game. I think that's more of an outlier. We're going to see the Clippers perform very well this week if Kawhi can be healthy and on the court. The only thing that worries me about the Clippers is that upcoming schedule. Besides the Bulls game tonight, which I honestly don't expect the Rosen to play in, then they go back-to-back in Memphis, and Memphis has been just absolutely dominating people at home. And then their second night of a back-to-back is in New Orleans, which Kawhi might not play. And if you drop, let's say, all three of those games, then all of a sudden the play-in tournament becomes a realistic possibility. I mean... I don't think they're going to be in the plane. I think they'll be in the playoffs. But, man, that three-game road trip is going to be crucial. And then towards the end of the season, though, the last game, again, is a back-to-back with Portland and Phoenix. And the question is, does Kawhi play in those sets of back-to-backs? Because they definitely need him now that PG is out. But I agree with you, Brandon. The Paul George injury is not obviously a good thing for anybody, but it does open up the door for Bones, maybe for Rocco. It should for Rocco. All those guys. So we'll see what happens. Now, do you guys get the sense, and Brandon, you touched on it, like uh, 
Let's just say again, let's say the Clippers go on a run here. By the way, I don't know if this changes anything, but, you know, Ty Lue coming out saying what's been, what's been going on in his personal life. He's lost uh, some close loved ones. Um, again, th- th- that has nothing to do with his rotations. It probably has more to do with ideally if the Clippers were if the Clippers were in a good position Ty Lue could have left the team for a week and it would have been fine but with the Clippers struggling with them being around 500 you know he he really felt the obligation to stay here if they go on a run again kind of a big if when you look at the 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 way that they played this year we'll see how Paul George comes back I guess, okay, so let's play this out. Let's say they get bounced in the first round, just tie Lou, get back. Let's say they get all the way back to the Western Conference Finals, but lose, lose. What's what's your guys' feeling? Brandon, I'll start with you just because you touched on it. You know, what's our feeling uh, on Ty Lue not being back with the Clippers? I think he's gone either way. I think there's been an expressed interest from both sides, although it's not completely out there that uh, Ty Lue, might need some, like, like you mentioned, there's a lot going on in his personal life. I think this season has taken a toll on him. He's gotten the most flack he's ever gotten from Clippers Nation. People very, and just not just Clippers Nation, all of the NBA, right? People, fans calling him out. I think he's going to probably take some time away from basketball. And I think it's going to be a mutual decision where he'll stay, he'll quit. But I think Lawrence Frank and, and um, Jerry West want to move in a d- different direction. I think that's important considering Let's say you do get, okay, there's hypotheticals, all of this, right? Let's say you do get Paul George back um, somehow, like in the first or second round, okay? And you still lose. He's for sure gone. I think he's gone either way, but like then that's like, okay, that there. You had three years with these guys. You couldn't do anything. That You're gone, right? I actually think this team is so deep that they could give the Suns a run for their money in round one if they do end up playing them, even without Paul George. I think that's being overlooked. I think the narrative in the media is going to be like the Suns are going to smack them. And when it gets to six or seven games, people are going to be a little like, whoa, like what what happened to the Clippers? Well, they're a deep team and they play more team basketball without Paul George. So I, I, it's it's hard for me to say anything can happen where Ty Lue is back unless they win the championship. And I don't think that's going to happen. So I do think they part ways, and I think it's a great decision for the organization and for Ty Lue this offseason. I don't think there's anything that changes that, and I do think they're still set up to, su- to su- surprise some people, even against the Suns in the first round. I agree with you, Brandon. The only thing that would change my mind, and I know that, yeah, the personal issues may just be too much to overcome, but I do think if they win a series, he may just, you know, it might mend some feelings and you know, help alleviate some of that. But yeah, it doesn't seem like we're headed in a direction where they're going to be back together next year. And I do agree with you in the sense that I think people are going to overlook the Clippers a lot, especially if they play a team like Phoenix in the first round and Phoenix, let's say they're fully healthy. People are going to definitely overlook the Clippers, but yeah, their depth, they, they play team basketball, and I know what, you know, people are going to say about Russell Westbrook, but this is his more natural role where it's like, hey, we need you to be aggressive now. We need you to be Russell Westbrook. You know, it's going to cause some games where he has a high turnover count, but this is, this is his natural self. So, yeah, I think the Clippers are very overlooked as well, and we'll see what happens in the postseason. Yeah, yeah. I mean... 
I, I, I agree with Brandon on, on the fact that, you know, something needs to, something needs to change. Um, if they can make it past the Suns and maybe even get past the Western Conference into the NBA title, then, you know, Tyler keeps his job. But to be honest with you, I think that the Clippers organization has given them a really long leash. And I think just, again, something just really needs to change. I don't know what that change might be. Maybe get rid of Marcus Morris would be the change. Or, you know, maybe, I don't know. Uh, something just needs to change. This is maybe why I'm not a GM. No. Um, but, or, <laughs> you know, but, you know here's, here's what Ty Lue had mentioned. Again, this is such a sad um thing to, to say. I mean, so Ty Lu said that he lost seven family members since December. By the way, we're still in March. I mean, it's, it's crazy. And he could not attend the funerals of all seven. Uh, you know, sometimes you think maybe you, you, you can't go to one or, or two, but he missed all seven funerals because the Clippers were struggling again. He didn't want to leave the team. If this was the Golden State Warriors back in the day when Steve Kerr took some time off and he had the players coach the team, you know, I mean, that's one thing. And so, um, okay, well, let's go to this part because you guys always bring up this name. Hi, Lou, former Celtics assistant under Doc Rivers. Doc Rivers, former Celtics coach. Do the Clippers go back to that well? Do they go to a former Celtics coach who a year ago at this time was leading his team to the NBA Finals? God, I hope not. <laughs> I, 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 I just, I, I think that they just don't need the drama. They don't need the, you know, they, they don't need the hoopla. Like, he's a great coach. I'm not going to sit there and deny that. But it, just all the drama that he has ensued, no organization needs that. And uh, unless he's changed, like, a complete 180, which I don't think that that's, I, th I think that takes a lot of time. So, no. In my personal opinion, no. Don't, don't even... Think, think about it. Just let, let's just let's just deal with what we have right now. I'm on Team Adoka. I think you go <laughs> after Ime. Ime is a great coach. He's like he could be a bad dude, but like, hey, if you want to win a championship, he's going to implement defense. Yeah, the players love him. Um, from what I've heard, although they probably didn't know about any of that. I mean, what a sneaky individual! The I mean, that's players, another... the you, players, you, or the players. Who, who, you know what? <laughs> you know what, Brandon. Brandon, I would say hide your wife, hide your girlfriend <laughs> around Anoka. Just saying, you know, hide your Steve, wife, hide your girlfriend. Maybe Steve Bomber maybe will need to tell his wife to stay in Washington if he hires him. <laughs> but like, but I mean, like, look at the same time, this is a guy who proven to coach basketball. His first season, he went to the finals with the Celtics, and I seriously believe, although the Celtics are still very good, they don't have the same. Uh, ceiling that they did uh, defensively with Adoka as a head coach last season with Missoula now. Um, so I think he'd be the perfect coach. I think at this point they're starving for a championship and it's you do whatever it takes. You do whatever it takes. Give Ime, I believe in stacking chances. If it happens again, obviously Ime out of the league forever. Um, but look, I, I think there has to be some remorse and some some responsibility that uh, that uh, Adoka is feeling uh, at this point with what's happened to his career. So I think you give him an opportunity, uh, and I think that's the move if you want to win a championship. I will say this one thing: once a cheater, always a cheater. If we've ever learned anything from Scandal, <laughs> so that's all I'm going to say. And then I'm going to leave the floor open. Every he doesn't have to cheat with like the, the owner's wives, though. It doesn't matter, though. You're comfortable around the people that you're comfortable around that you work with every day. But so be a professional. Be a professional. I agree. I agree. That would be great. It would be wonderful. But I'm just saying, if we've learned anything from Scandal, 
Once a cheater, always a cheater. It seems like, you know, going into this offseason, he will be the best coach on the market. But also, when, when you look at, like, last summer, for example, the, the, maybe the best hires were, what, Mike Brown and Will Hardy for the Jazz, and Will Hardy had no coaching experience, and all of a sudden now, that was a great hire by the Utah Jazz. There are going to be some assistants that we don't know the names of right now that are really good head coaching material. It's just for a big market, for a team like the Clippers, do you take that gamble? Well, yeah, you're, you're, I mean, it's still Los Angeles. I didn't say, you know, I know Arash, but I mean, do you take a gamble on a guy that's never had coaching experience before, or do you look in a direction of a Yudoka who track record resume wise probably is the best candidate? I want to get Jihei's thoughts on this uh, because, again, I think that there's a difference between a professional coach and a college coach. And when I say that, in college, you are not only hiring a head coach of a basketball program. I mean, this guy is effectively a professor. He's a teacher. He's the leader of young men. When when things happened to Rick Pitino, and I know that was a while ago, and to see where he is now, head coach of St. John, you know, I mean, it's, it's, um, GA, explain it to me. Again, I, I know college athletics now is an extension of professional sports, but I do believe, because I, I agree with you. I don't think Yudoka should, should be with the, with the Clippers. I don't think he should be with the league. That being said, that's just our opinion. You know, the fact that a university, and again, it's St. John's not the first one. Someone has to give you that, 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 that first chance. Someone has to give you that first chance when you go through the fire. And then what happens is when you're a few years removed from it and you've got that job, it's not the first question that comes up. You do have to get through like that first few months and that first, for sure, that first few press conferences. GA, college sports, right? And this is not the first yeah. time we, we've, we've seen it happen. If you're St. John's, we got to sell tickets. We got to be competitive in New York. With what you've seen Rick Patino come back to take a significant head coaching job in college, do you think Yudoka at some point gets to that chance? I think it's difficult. First of all, they have two totally different. It's different. I know, but um, but 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 giving giving the circumstances aside, um, I guess the the phrase "time heals all wounds" in college is very very true, um, because obviously I think it was what six years. It's, it's been, been six years. Yeah, it's been six years since I, I want to say it's been six years. Somebody'd have to Google that for me, but um, I think it's been six years since Patino has co- coached in a major conference in the in the Power Five conference again. So um, I guess good for saying. And here's the other thing too that sucks. He's a great coach. He's a great coach. Patino is legit a great coach. We all know that. Um, you know, same thing. With, you know, with uh, the the former Boston Celtics coach. So uh, I, I think that, that the coaching factor, unfortunately, is not the issue. Um, also in college, like, you're an example. <laughs> like, you are ridiculously an example. The second that you're making more money than some of these kids, you know, or some of these kids aren't making any money, you know, um, I think it's a, di- it's a different power dynamic. But, um, yeah, there, maybe just time. Time heals all wounds. You just need to be removed a little bit from it. Um, and that's why, and by the way, Patino, when he did get this role, the, 
controversy of why he got fired in the first place did come up. Sure. But it was not the first question. Arash, right. It was yeah, not the first and, question that came up. And to be honest, it has to come up during his first yeah. press conference. It probably won't come up again. So, but right. what happens is, and again, Gia, you're, you're 100% right. So, uh, Rick, Rick Patino gets fired from Louisville 2017. Um, post that goes to Puerto Rico, goes to Greece, goes yeah, to Iona. So, Iona's that first school. Obviously, it's a small school. He gets Iona uh, to the uh, tournament. Um, and then again, it, sometimes it also takes a desperate program. And we yeah. the question we have to ask ourselves, are the Clippers in that position? And also, do they think that they're a Yudoka away from being a championship team? I, I'm not sure. But again, that's why with him... My thought process was, okay, his first job has to be in some country that's that's not in the U.S. or has to be in the G League or something like that, and he works his way up. But that being said, I got, you just need one job. You just yeah. need one person to say, hey, here's what's going to happen. We're going to get a ton of heat that first month. That first press conference, his first sit-down, his first one-on-one, the first time we lose, you know, a few games. But then after that, like, it goes away because what happens is what? You address it, and then you get past it. It won't come up, like, every single day. You know what I'm saying? Right, here's, yeah. here's the only thing I will say. Winning forgives everything. And that is true. So he that's, that's- starts winning. He starts winning. All of this will be forgotten. I want to be like, wait, what controversy in Louisville? Yeah. Well, yeah, but going back to Doka, I think his next coach, his next coaching hire will be in the NBA and it will be for the Clippers. I really do. I, I know like there's been a ton of flack, but like fire up the fan base. The fan base is tired of being mediocre, making the playoffs and not getting to the finals. A Doka probably gets you to the finals next year if you're healthy. Like I'm dead serious. Only- my only thing, and I'm not, and I'm not disagreeing with you on his capability whatsoever. I don't think anybody is. I don't think anybody is sitting there going like, "Well, he's a terrible coach." That's not. That's not the argument. I think he needs more time away. Time heals all wounds. He needs more time away. Patino took two years. Patino took two seen, years. Before I know, but he went they're seen as Iona. a joke, anyways, in the media. They're seen as a joke, so they're going to get flack either way for the first month, but for not yeah. winning championships with Kawhi and Paul George. And the unique thing about the Clippers, and I'm not saying this to knock the Clippers, they are sort of a small town team in a big town's because, and here's what I'll just say, like they don't get the attention that they should from the local media, from the national media. Again, when I was on the Clippers beat, you know, when they had Chris Paul and Blake, I said they're a bigger story nationally than locally. Like locally, like if you, if, if Jim Hill goes to one game, it's not going to be the Clippers game generally. It's the Lakers game. Same with the columnists, same with the reporters. So again, like I don't know if he's their guy, but what I will say is you really just have to get through that first press conference, that first sit down, that first like week or two. And then after that, to your point, you hey, like if they start winning, I promise you it's not going to be the first question that comes up at a press conference because he's already talked about it. Right. And so we'll see how it all plays out. Big, significant couple of days here, Chicago, and Chicago playing a big role here. All right, that's all the thing we have for today. Let's do it again tomorrow. Until then, this is Arash Markazi saying stay safe and stay healthy.
This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.